Alright, if you have your Bibles, then go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11 is where we're going to start tonight. We're going to be talking about the sweet and bitter book. Sweet and bitter book. Uh, would somebody please read for me verses 8 through 11, please? And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me, and said, Go and take the little book, which is open up in the hand of the angel, which standeth on, upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall, it shall make the belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before my peoples, before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Okay. So we find here that uh, this angel that we talked about uh, last time we, we did, and by the way, next Sunday night we won't be having a night service here, so we won't be... Uh, back into the book until the week after next. Uh, but anyway, uh, this angel that we talked about last uh, Sunday night uh, is an angel who had his feet on the sea and the land, and he had a book in his hand. That's where that's where this starts off. And and when 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 John encounters this angel, this voice from heaven in verse eight uh, said that the voice which I had. I heard from heaven speaking to me again. So he's already spoken to John from heaven. So he's already recognizing this voice. And he told him, he said, go and take the little book, which is, which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And when John goes to the angel, it's, a, it, it's interesting because the, the voice told him to do. Do what? Go take it. Go take it. And when he comes up to this angel, now what this angel looks like. And and the first time, a few times I ever read this, I thought, well, this is a great big angel, and he's got his foot over in the ocean. He, I, think, I don't think that's the way it is. I think he's just a, a regular-looking guy. And he does have his foot in the sea, which, by the way, could mean water. It could be, could be a sea of humanity. But I figure it's a sea in the land, a sea in everything, water and earth, God's over. But he, when he goes up to this angel, John said, what did John say to him? Give me the book. Give me the book. Now, is there anything here that we need to see? Is there anything in this scripture, this this little just this little comment that he makes? He, the the the, the Lord, the voice told him to go take the book, and he went and told the angel to give him the book. Now, there's something to be learned there. It, it's something that we need to learn. God don't always just give us what we want. Sometimes we have to take it. We have to take it in the bounds of His righteousness, His holiness, according to His Word. We have to take things sometimes from God that He has given to us through the Holy Spirit, through the church, different ways. There's things that God has made available to us as His children that we get to just take. Right? Amen? And the, the command was already given for Him to take the book 
And when he, he, he told the angel to give him the book, and the angel was not going to give him the book because the command was what? Take the book. And he didn't give it to him. And so we have to learn this spiritual lesson right here. We have to learn that, uh, that when, you know, he, uh, he, he don't, he, God don't force us to do anything. He don't make us do anything. And, and, and so he can, he can guide, he can direct, he can give us dreams and visions, he's, he can close doors, he can open doors, but it's up to us to choose and do what God has shown us, even in the Spirit. And so God's command to him, or the voice's command to him, was go take the book. And he asked for the book, and he didn't get it that way. And so uh, look at the, the angel looked at him, and he, he said unto me, take it. But that ain't all he said. So, I mean, like you're saying, it's no different than us in salvation. We have to take that first step. We do. It's the same. Yeah, the command of God is to come unto me. And that means we have to do, that means it requires, there's a required thing for us to do. And that is to take that step and to come to God. Yeah, it's there for us. It's there. It's, it's there for us. And, and, and the Lord says, take it. What is the scripture? Maybe somebody help me because this is fell into my brain, but I can't remember the exact scripture where it's where, where it says the righteous taketh it by force. I don't even remember what the scripture was talking about, but there's a scripture that says that. Uh, I don't know what I brought up. I didn't even didn't know what was that. But he, he so he gives him he, he he John reaches up and takes the book, and the angel says, "Eat it." Now. <laughs> Just so we'll understand the logic of this, Sister Donna, would you eat your Bible right quick for us? <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> anyway, but so whatever he gave him, whatever this book looked like, he told that he told uh, John. He said, "Take this book and eat it. And not only do you take it and eat it, it shall be in thy. It shall make thy belly bitter." But it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Now, this is, has this ever happened before in the scripture? It has. As a matter of fact, uh, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15 and 16. Now, he it, it wasn't exactly this way. It says uh, he found the words of God and ate them. And this is what Jeremiah said: "And thy words was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart." I want to know why I encourage you to read the Word all the time. Because that's what it is to us. It's the joy and rejoicing of our heart. David said, Thine words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It is what tells us and shows us the perfect will of God for every person. Not just us, but everybody. We all live by the same rules, don't we? We all follow the same Lord, don't we? There's salvation in no other, is there? And so when you look at these things, the book is so very, very important because it tells the story and the history. It tells the character of God from the beginning to the end. And when God, when the Bible proclaims about God that I'm the Lord your God and I change not what God said that was written in the Old Testament, there's his character is portrayed from the from the from the foundation of the earth from the creation of Adam and Eve and everything that he created, there, there's a character of God that's prevalent from that point all the way through to the very end of this book. It's a character of God. 
And he don't change. That character about him does not change. Now sometimes we like to limit God because we know we're limited. We like to say there's things that God can't do. Amen? We like to say that uh, for one, I'll give you an example, and I've shared this with y'all before, that uh, we believe God forgets our sin. No, he don't. God don't forget nothing. So what does he do? He chooses it not to bring it up to you again. He chooses that. You know, in those scriptures that talk about that, David was forgiven about uh, Bathsheba, but it was brought up later on by God Himself that He had done that. Had God forgiven him? Yes, He had. Has the punishment been let out? Yes, it had. But it was still God had not forgotten it. Okay? So don't forget that. Even though the Bible says that it's cast from the sea of forgetfulness, it actually says it's cast as far away from the east and from the west. And so we added that other part to ourselves. And, and so now, now let me tell you why we do that. <laughs> I'm human too. Let me tell you why I believe that. I want to believe that. Is that that way I can say, well, I'm not God. I can forgive, but I ain't forgetting. I can't. Well, I can't. I can't forget it. Can you? Now, if you get a disease of the mind, you might forget it. But if you live your normal life and you've got your normal thinking, whenever you think about that person, you think about that event, you, you, you forgave them for, you can't get that out of your head. So what do you do? If you forgive them, you don't bring it up again. You don't hit them hard with it again. And, and a lot of people are guilty of that. So we like to think that God can forget that, but we can't, so it makes it hard for us to bring it up. No, it don't. God don't forget it. He chooses not to bring it up. And when we forgive, He expects us to do that very thing too. And if you keep bringing it up, you have to forgive them. <coughs> Thank you. Isn't that the truth, Dale? No, man, for real. There are people that have done, done me wrong, and I can forgive them. But I can't forget it. That's right. That's right. I'm not going to trust them again. I, there's a lot of things that's just, it's hard. That's right. To put that foot out it. there, put that hand out there. Dog bit it once. <laughs> I'm not going to let it bite again. That's right. And so, but you don't, you know, we don't keep bringing those things up that we have forgiven. If we do, we have not <coughs> forgiven those things. That's I've the point. I read a, a thing in a book one time that when that happens, you know, you may have, it may have happened 10 years ago and something triggered it and you remembered it again. And it said if you remembered it, you forgive them again. At that moment, you forgive them again. Right. And, and here's another thing about Jeremiah. While we're on Jeremiah, right? I know we're in Revelation, but this is a significant scripture that's brought up in this. In the, and we're going to get into another one in a minute that's almost verbatim this. But Jer for Jeremiah, he lived in a nation that absolutely hated his guts. He was a, a Jewish man that the Jewish population, the Jewish government, and everybody in the city hated that man's guts. Why? Because he preached truth. He preached righteousness. He preached obedience to God, and they weren't willing to do that, and he didn't let it go. He kept doing it, regardless of what they thought. He wound up inside a well. He wound up in jail. And he even made a remark to the Lord. He said, I ain't preaching no more. It's over with. Ain't nobody listening to me. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, you know, every preacher feels that. Jeremiah felt it. And he said, in a few verses, he said, but all of a sudden the word of the Lord went to 
swelling up in me. And as I watched the evil around me, I couldn't, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I had to proclaim the Lord God and His holiness. I had to proclaim sin is sin. What's the world trying to get us to do? Turn your back, it ain't sin no more. It, we've, we've approved it. Isn't that right? We've approved sin now. We've approved transgenderism. We've approved all of that stuff. Say, okay now. Society has. I, I still look at the things. I, that's a lie. Yeah, it is a lie, and that's what Jeremiah kept telling them. No, it ain't okay anymore. It's still not okay, and it never will be okay. So they persecuted him for that. The, the, and so he he was in this rebellious generation, and and, uh, and the Lord told him, He said, "Open your mouth and eat that I give thee." And, and so Ezekiel experienced the same thing. He was experienced the, the, the very same thing in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 8 through chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, Ezekiel is commanded uh, by the Lord to, uh, and a hand gave it to him. A hand gave it to him, a roll of a book written on both sides, written with lamentations, mourning, and woes. And Ezekiel did eat it, and he says, it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Now that happened to Ezekiel hundreds of years before this was happening to John in Revelation. Hundreds of years. It was when Israel went into captivity to the Babylonian Empire as a matter of fact. And so Ezekiel did eat it and he says it was in my mouth sweetness as honey for sweetness and he was commanded to speak it to the house of Israel. God's word is not meant to hurt you. God's meant, word is meant to help you. God's word is not meant to push you away from God. It's there to help you come to God. It's not there to tell you that God hates you. It's there to tell you that God loves you. It's not there to tell you you can't go to heaven. It's there to tell you, yes, you can and it's there to tell us when we do wrong, correct us, and help us do right, and tells us how to do that and who to turn to to do That's what the Word of God's for. And some, let me tell you this, sometimes it's sweet, but sometimes it's bitter. Why? Yeah, it goes because it tells me to do what I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't want to get over being mad. I don't want to humble myself. I don't want to esteem somebody greater than myself. No, I'm better than they are. That's when the word gets bitter to us. Amen. If you, if you say you're forgiving someone and you keep bringing it up, you don't have to forgive them. No, you haven't. Plain and simple fact, isn't it, Bob? Plain and simple fact. So John eats this book. And just as he was told, it was sweet as honey in his mouth, but in his belly, it became bitter. Poor old Todd, he ain't here today, you know why? He's got food poisoning. Y'all ever had food poisoning? Yeah. Buddy, when that food went in, woo, it was so good! And then it got bitter. And then it wasn't so good no more. Amen? Amen. Amen. It got better and it wasn't good no more. So the word of God must be sweet to the child of God. 
it, it, it must be sweet to the child of God. It is eternal, and in its pages are found the way to God and how to live a life pleasing to God. That's what it's all about. How many of you want to live your life pleasing to God? Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, you raise your hand say amen, but think about that. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the time when you discipline your child and then you say, well, where did you learn that from? And they turn around and say, I learned it from you. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. How many of you ever had a toddler about a year and a half, two years old, just started talking and hear some of the words I say? You know what they heard them words there? Somebody that was around them a lot, and they start repeating them. Now, listen. This word about the word of God is made for us to help us be pleasing to Him, but to the lost person. What is it, word of God, to a lost person? It's foolishness to Him. Amen. It is absolute foolishness to somebody who's lost, who don't believe in God. I told y'all this one before a long time ago, so I'm going to tell you again. Uh, we, we was talking about uh, the Bible. We was having a discussion about something. I don't remember what it was in our in our break room at the mill one day. And uh, and I was, I don't even remember what was brought up, but I was telling them the story. Uh, I think it was Elijah with the axe head, the, the iron axe head came off the handle and went into the water. And they were saying, oh my gosh, we borrowed this axe, we're in trouble. And, uh, and, a, and a metal axe head, that time, at that time of, of, of the world was very expensive and, and, and a needful item. And Elijah, I think it was, it could have been Elisha, but I think it was Elijah. He went up there and when he prayed, that axe head floated. Now, now think about that. That steel axe head floated to the top and they got it and put it back on that axe handle. And, and, a, and a fellow was walking in <laughs> About the time I was saying that he prayed and that axe head floated from that water and the man grabbed it and I ain't going to tell you what he said. But he didn't believe none of that. He said, where in the world did you hear that junk? <laughs> Bob probably knows what I'm talking about. And I said, from the Bible. He said, oh. <laughs> But it was foolishness. That was foolishness to him. Miraculous. Let me tell you what. We're going to get into some stuff very, very shortly in Revelation that is supernatural. It is hard to fathom. It's hard to believe. But the Bible says it, and it's true. Amen. It's going to happen just like it said. And the way it said, it, it, it's going to be unbelievable by people. People ain't going to believe it. They're going to see it. They're going to witness it. And they're still not going to believe in God even though they see it right before their eyes. And so this is important for the word. The lost man, to the lost man, it's foolishness and it is bitter. Sometimes it's bitter even to the people who love Jesus. So John eats the book and just as we told him, this is the way it was. And, and it became very bitter. So John had the words of eternal life. He knew the word of, uh, in the flesh. He knows the gospel of truth and he must proclaim it. This is sweet to have to give to others that they too can be saved. You know, when, when we apply the Word of God to our lives and it works, it's sweet, isn't it? When we apply the, the witness of God through the Word of God to another person and they come to know Jesus, oh, it is so sweet. If you've ever experienced that, that is the sweetest feeling in the world to help somebody 
find Jesus Christ. There's no better feeling in the whole wide world than that right there. Because you just helped your Lord. You've done, that is the accomplishment of the kingdom work laid out to you. thing about it is it don't stop with one person. It stops with every people you meet. And they have to make that choice, receive or not receive. And they, and they do that for our witness. And so, he, uh, uh, so this is a, a sweet to, that he has the words to tell people how to be saved and the things that are coming. Now he is instructed, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. This is in verse 11. So what, what is the better part? Many will not hear. It's frustrating when you preach the truth of God's Word that you believe and you teach the truth of God's Word that you believe and you tell others the Word of God that you believe and they will not hear. There's something that rings true through the Bible all the way from the beginning till now. And Jesus proclaimed it over and over and over and over in Revelation. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto you. It's, a, it's always been a, an issue with men and God that we turn a deaf ear to Him and hear only what we wish to hear. We hear Him only when we have great need for Him to work in our lives. And then we close Him up in that little box and put Him in our pocket and we'll call you if we need you again. Amen? That's sad, isn't it? That's the way a lot of people live for Jesus. You know? <laughs> when the whole the whole world comes crashing in on them, boy, it's, y'all pray for me, y'all pray for me. When things are going good, we don't ask for that, do we? Well, let me tell you what you can go ahead and do for me. Pray for me all the time. Even when it looks good, pray for me anyway. When it looks horrible, pray for me more. And I'm doing the same thing for you. Praying for you. Amen? And we're going to have to do that. And we, we need to do it. So this, uh, so many people will make fun of the Word. They will be angered at the Word. Many will remain lost and reject the Lord. This is bitter. It's bitter when we see our own children do it, isn't it? It's bitter for a, a wife that sees her husband do it. It's bitter for a husband that sees her wife reject Jesus. And that happens all the time. I remember here a few years ago over at Smyrna, when we was over there, uh, we had a, a, a phrase, and I, I don't want to insult anybody here or make anybody feel uncomfortable here, but we, we had a phrase called church widows. You know what church widows were? They weren't women who had lost their husbands to death. They were women who came faithfully to church and their husbands never would come with them. I thank God in this church we have the men. Look at that row of men. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I know they're not pretty, but look at them. <laughs> look at the men in this church. Amen. What a blessing of God because God holds the man. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman and they're the head of their family. That is the pecking order of God laid out by God, not by me. Right. And it's a beautiful thing. You know why? Churches went kaplop in the 60s and 70s because men didn't go. And women did the best they could taking the kids to, to church every chance they could without daddy. Amen? Amen? That's the truth. I experienced that in my own childhood. 
<clears throat> Amen. And, but, but you know what? That's the bitter part of the word. It still happens today. Any questions or comments about this? Okay. Let's go into chapter 11 then. Somebody read for me verses 1 through 6. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angels stood saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and, the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city, shall they tread under foot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in his manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, and that and heaven that it rain not in the days of the prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. All right, so we're already fixing to get into this super supernatural stuff here. And but before that, John was given a reed. You know what a reed is? It's a measuring device. I don't know exactly what they what they call a reed looked like, but it was a it was a stick or a piece of wood that was a certain length that they used and they counted and they got. Uh, uh, what is the unit of the measure that they use then? Uh, cubits. Hmm? Cubits. Cubits. Yeah, it was in cubits for them. It'd be feet and inches or meters and metric for for other for the world now. But he had this rod, and look at what he he, he said. Uh, and the angel stood saying, "Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not." Now, I, I, want, I want to take just a minute here for us to just look at this before we get on these two witnesses. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I wondered in my mind, well, I wonder which temple he was measuring. You know, there was a tabernacle in the, in the Old Testament that they carried around with them, and it was replaced by a permanent structure in Jerusalem uh, in, by Solomon. That temple was destroyed. And there was another temple called Herod's Temple that was built that was possibly still in existence in John's day. That was the one Jesus said that, uh, that uh, there wouldn't be a stone of it left unturned and 70 years later that happened. Okay? And so we, we, a lot of people suspect that John was still living in the day when that temple was still there because in his writing, no word does he mention the destruction of that temple. So they believe that in his, John's lifetime that... Uh, that that temple still existed. But there's also another temple because John was having visions of grandeur. He was having visions of things in glory. And so it makes you wonder, was it the temple in glory? Well, I, I got to thinking about that and I don't think so. And, but it's, it's just my opinion. So I believe that, and we don't need to get in a debate over which one it was. The, thing, the reason we don't need to get in a debate over it is because each temple was built to the specification of what God gave in the beginning. Okay? And so what he told them to, to measure was what we're going to call the temple proper. Okay? The temple proper, which is the main building which housed the, the holiest of holies and the holy place. Okay? That was the building. Outside of it was the courts. Okay? 
And so he, he tells them that he said, I don't want you to, to measure anything but what I tell you to measure. Do not go uh, to the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. Why? Nobody give me a, a reason why he didn't want that measured here. What, what were those courts? There were more than one court out there. Anybody know what they were? There was a court of the Gentiles where the Gentiles couldn't go any further that, and they had a porch, they called it Solomon's porch, where they preached a lot from that was outside that main main building and they would come out there and, and preach or prophesy or read scripture where the Gentiles could hear those. There was another court out there. Did anybody know what it was? It was the court of women. They had a women's court out there because they weren't allowed to go in to the temple proper. Okay? Only the ones that could go in there was the prophetesses and it was the ones that did their work in there, Anna was one of them. One of them that was there to see the Christ child. So this is what you're looking at. Now why in Revelation would he tell him, don't worry about them courts? I'm going to tell you why. Because when we get to heaven, anything that separates us here, anything that causes contention here between us will not be there. There will be no court of the Gentiles in the temple proper in the Jerusalem. There will be no court of the women in the in the court in the in the temple proper in the New Jerusalem because there will be nothing that divides us or separates us. Matter of fact, when we get there, we're gonna get that and I'm gonna get a little ahead of myself. There ain't gonna be male, there ain't gonna be female there. Amen. There ain't gonna be there ain't gonna be slaves and they ain't gonna be free. They ain't gonna be Jews and Gentiles. They gonna we all gonna be one. And the things that we bicker and argue about over down here and, and have confusion over ain't gonna be there. Ain't gonna be none of that there. So he said, "Don't don't measure that stuff because you ain't gonna have to worry about that no more. There ain't gonna be no courts of separation in my temple. And, and, and when you get here, all that's gone. Amen. Something to think about, isn't it? Oh, the devil's playing field. He plays in it well, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I thought you said the devil playing field. Yeah, it's going to be a level playing field, all right. That ground is going to be all level in that place, and we're all going to stand the same before God. And so we we look at these things and we understand that that this this uh, this temple there that he's telling them to measure without measuring the courts. Uh, he said, uh, leave these courts out and measure them not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now, he does know that, this, that what's going to happen. There's going to be a three and a half year period, that's part of forty and two months, that we're going to start seeing that a lot. And that's why a lot of people believe that uh, the church is going to be raptured three and a half years into this. Okay? But uh, there's a lot of mention of 42 months, and if you go back in Daniel, there's a whole lot. We're not going to get into all that stuff. And he said, and the, the Gentiles are going to tread it underfoot. That means the Gentiles are going to come into Jerusalem, and they're going to take things over. Amen? Now, when, when we get to the part of the thousand-year reign of Christ, we're going to see what some of this means. Amen? There is, now listen to me. We're seeing what's going on in Israel right now. You see what's going on there. How many of y'all keeping up with that? Mm -hmm. Now, if you watch your local news and ones on ABC, CBS, ABC, or NBC, and Fox, and CNN, MSN, all they're focused on right now is all the poor Palestinians getting killed. They don't forget all about what happened to Israel. Mm -hmm. 
Now it's about where they're, they're, they're the bad guys that are murdering everybody. So you see what's happening in our, and it's going on all over the place, all over the world. It's not just in our country, it's all over the world, but it is really bad in our country. Mm -hmm. Amen? Did you know there's that many of them here? No. Think about it. They're here. They're, they're in every country. Great Britain has just about fallen to them. They're, they're such a powerful voting force that Great Britain caters to them. So now they have called for a ceasefire and Israel, you've done enough, stop it. Now what happens to Israel every time they let another nation tell them how to fight their battles instead of asking God? Amen. Thank goodness they're still Old Testament and they know what that means. And that's why they're still fighting over there. But, but let me tell you what, there's going to come a time when, and we don't know when, but Israel is going to be overrun by the Gentiles in the future. It's going, if, if, if you read in Ezekiel, where it talks about the thousand year reign of Christ, when he comes and sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, that's where he's coming back to, the Mount of Olives, right outside of Jerusalem, his feet are going to land there, and the Bible says that it's going to split that mountain half in two, and it's going to create a valley down the middle of it, because Israel is under war, and there, there's a bunch of them are dead already. Amen? And that's when they start screaming for him. I know y'all have been seeing this over and over. They're, they're at the wedding wall crying for Messiah. Now, when this happens, they're going to be crying for Jesus. Because 144,000 and these two witnesses are going, to, are going to convince some of these people. They better start hollering out to the one they crucified. And they're going to. But they're almost annihilated when they do that. That's what this is leading up to. Okay? And so they will be trodden underfoot by the Gentiles. It's going to be Gentile nations. It ain't going to be, it ain't going to be uh, Israel, Jews killing themselves. And then he said, look at this. And he said, <clears throat> he said, and I, in verse 3, and I will give power unto my two witnesses. Now he's got two witnesses that we've heard about. How many of y'all heard about two witnesses before? How many of you heard arguments? How many of you know people who know who they are? <laughs> There's books written about it. They are. We know who they are. How do you know who they are? Well, <laughs> Elijah and Moses showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's who it's going to be. Is that what the scripture says? You know, if I was going to guess, I would go to a scripture that it says that it is appointed unto a man once to die. Then comes the judgment. So if I was going to venture to guess, you know who I'd guess? I'd, I'd guess two men that we know of in the scripture that never died. There's two. Who are they? Enoch and Elijah. Enoch and Elijah. Now, am I going to tell y'all that's who it is? No. Because the scripture don't say that's who it is. He don't call them Enoch and Elijah. He don't call them Moses and Elijah. He don't call them Enoch and Moses. He don't call them any. He says there's two witnesses and he don't tell us who they are. And I'll tell you one thing. Do you think they're here now? Do you think they're in Israel? I heard a man this morning talking about the Revelation. And he said he really thought it was. So it's I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that Antichrist ain't here right now. But I would not think that these two witnesses are here right now. I wouldn't think. 
I think they're going to be coming for this particular time and event, and I believe they're going to be sent from God. And and uh, I tell you what, let's uh, let me let me take you way back over in the way back machine into Zechariah chapter four. Let me tell you what it shows. What it says in, in verse four, <clears throat> it says, "So I answered and spoke to the angel that talked to me, saying, that ain't nothing to do with this." Fourteen, four and fourteen. Then said he. These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These are two anointed ones. And they are called in another place in that same read chapter 4 when you get home. And, and, and Ezekiel, Zechariah is given a vision of the golden candlestick and he sees these. He calls them uh, not just two witnesses, he, he calls them uh, two, two trees. Okay? And, but he's talking about this very uh, event right here. It's Zechariah 4, I read the wrong one, 3. Listen to what it says. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of the bowl. And in verse 11, it says, Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And verse 14, and then he said, these are the two anointed ones. So these are the anointed witnesses of a holy God that are sent to portray his wish, to prophesy to this people. And who are they prophesying? And where are they? They're prophesying to the Jewish people, and they are in Jerusalem. Okay? And so these two witnesses, they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days in sackcloth, clothed in sackcloth. Now, what's sackcloth? Morning clothes. It's morning clothes. It's what when you hear the Old Testament talk about they they they, they put sackcloth on and sat down in ashes. They took the ashes and rubbed them themselves, and they would scrape themselves with broken pottery. That was a sign that they were in great distress in mourning. Okay, and so these men are there in great mourning. From the, from the throne of God, sent by God, and he's mourning for these people that they're trying to talk to. And look at this. And the, the, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And that's why we went back to Zechariah. This was prophesied in Zechariah that these two, these two people would show up. And he tells in, in Zechariah who they are. And here it says that's what he was talking about. And if anything, look at this. Now, you, you don't think this ain't supernatural stuff? Because, you know, you can see and hear and read anything. And if any man will hurt them, look at this. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour their enemies. <clears throat> Does that sound like God? Does that sound like Jesus' is teaching? Now, you got to remember... <laughs> church is gone and the wrath of God has come upon men. This is the wrath of God. And these two witnesses have came here for this three and a half years and they are there three and a half years and they are given the power to prophesy and they ain't going nowhere until they said what God sent them there to say. They're not going anywhere till those people that are there see, have seen them and heard them. Now let, let me tell you something else. If, if, if you believe it's in a future time, we already have access. I was telling you all the other night, 
I've been watching news directly out of Jerusalem. I get on my phone and pop a button, and I can watch live feed, live feed out of Jerusalem, out of Gaza. I can see it in a moment. Now these people are going to be seen. Look at this. These have power to shut heaven that rain out in their prophecy and have power over the waters to turn them to blood. What did I miss all this? Anyway, they, they, before it's over with, everybody's going to witness this. And, and they have this power. When, the, when somebody comes up to them and tries to stop them and shut them up, guess what they do? They have power that fire. Now, do you believe it's a literal fire? Well, I don't know what it is, literally, but it kills people when it hits them. And the Bible says it's coming from their mouth. He ain't talking about words. He's talking about a literal weapon that comes from their mouth because they're from God. They're sent from God on this mission, and you ain't seen nothing from them yet. It gets even better after this. It gets even more supernatural after this. We ain't going to get to get into that. We have to wait two weeks. And so this fire comes out of their mouth, and it devours their enemies. It kills them. And if any man will hurt them, listen to this. You say, well, how do you know to kill them? If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. <laughs> you know, the scripture don't stutter. These people mean business. These people under the protection of God and anybody that comes and tries to thwart their mission will die from the fire that comes out of their mouth. Can you imagine what the press is going to be saying? Can you imagine the, all the excuses? And this can't be from God. What are these? These are aliens. We've been telling y'all they was coming. Here they are. Look at them. two of them. Ain't no man can do this. That's right. God's man can. The one empowered by God to do these things can. Yes, they can. Because yes, he's God. And yes, they can because they came from him with a mission. <coughs> and they're going to do this mission regardless of what anybody tries to do to prevent them from doing it. Okay? And it says, so they will be killed in this manner. <coughs> this ain't all the power they have. They have the power to shut heaven that it don't rain. In these days of their prophecy, that means that they can stop the rain for three and a half years. Has that ever been happened before? Yep. It has. Amen. It stopped when Elijah, the Lord told him to pray for it, and he did, and it stopped. For how long? How long did it stop in the days of Egypt? Seven years. Amen. That's the way God can work. You know. And so we, we, we like to say, well, the Bible says the wind blows where it listens. Let me tell you what. <laughs> he lets it blow when it wants to. When he wants to change it, he does. Amen. Amen. Amen? When he wants it to rain, he, the Bible says it rains on who? who? The just and the unjust. It, it's a blessing of God that we take for granted. Matter of fact, how many of you have about the rain? And then how many of you have about the sunshine? Cold, hot. Cold, hot. Wind. We just like grab. And God put all these things here not for us to grab that to bless us with. Amen. 
He's put in, and so when they, they take away something, and, and these people are going to realize in this three and a half years period when it don't rain, uh, boy, wish it rain. <laughs> the thing that they griped about once before, they're going to gripe because it ain't coming. And, and then they have power over waters to turn them to blood. Has that ever happened? You know, you see pictures of this. You, you know, when you think about the scripture I read a while ago or told, told you a while ago that I'm the Lord your God and I changed my... You see him even from Egypt to America. You see him in the prophets, Elijah and now. You see him doing those very same things. Now, you would think anybody with a half a brain knows anything about the scripture would say, he's done that before, that's him. But see, Brother Sam, these people don't know the Scripture, don't want to know the Scripture, don't care about the Scripture, don't believe in God, don't want to believe in God. So they ain't giving him no credit for none of that bit. They ain't listening. All they want to do is kill them two guys. We want to shut them up. Do we see something in our nation, nation right now where there's a movement to shut people up? Shut conservative Christianity, shut them down and shut them up? We see that it's already started. We are in the time that Jesus told us about before the beginning of the end. We're in the time of great trouble. It's here right now. And we need to know that. And so these people have this power. He's going to bring these people with this great power. They're able to turn the water into blood and to smite the earth with, look at this, all plagues. Are we seeing that already start to happen? What do you think COVID is? And now we've got how many different branches and kinds of it? I'm not making light of it. Brother Jack just had that stuff. It's terrible. Amen? It's not, it's not something to play. It's plagues that are coming. We can blame the Chinese all we want to, but you don't think God can't use the Chinese to spread a plague for him? Well, these plagues right here are going to be called on by two men and they're going to say, they're going to tell them where the plagues are. They're going to tell them what the plagues will be. And they're going to say, unless you repent, they're coming and they will. And those people that they're titling this to is going to suffer greatly. The time of wrath of God upon this planet is going to be a time of great suffering. It's going to be a time of tribulation like this world has never seen. You ain't never seen an earthquake like you've seen. You ain't never seen an eruption of a volcano like you've seen. You have never seen a tidal wave like you're going to see. You have never seen anything like you're going to see because it's God. And it's big. And it's meant for the wrath of every person on this planet. It's for all. So every nation, every continent, where every island is going to be affected by the wrath of God. And we can't. And so the things that he's going to use are going to be so devastating and bigger than anything we've ever seen prior to that then. Ain't never, ain't we, we've seen some horrific tsunamis. We saw a few years ago, about 1981, when that giant earthquake hit California, and we saw those interstates collapse on top of one another, and then people were smushed. Hundreds died. We've seen the tsunami that hit Indonesia. We've seen the tsunami that hit Japan. Thousands upon thousands died. And we got videos of this water coming in. Nothing could stand in its pathway. Nothing. Big heavy equipment, bulldozers, 
nothing could stand. It moved buildings. It moved, moved skyscrapers. It knocked them down to the ground. That is the wrath of God that we have seen already, and we ain't seen nothing to what he's fixing to show us in this book. It's going to happen that way. I don't want to be here, do you? I don't want to be a part of that, do you? I want to be in glory with him. So our work is what? Make it where we can be with him. That's what we need to concentrate on. We need to get our mind off everything else. All the clutter. There's clutter all around us. There's storms all around us. There's, there's, there's things going on all around us we wish wouldn't happen, but they are. It always comes down to this. Even in our troubles, what do we believe about God? And you know what the Lord promised us? We better hang on to it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm fair to go here because you're going to be with me. You're with me in every trial. You're with me in every test because you promised me that you would never leave me nor forsake me. And I cling to that promise, Lord. You're there. And that's why I can have peace in the trouble. That's why I can have calmness in the trouble. That's why I can lay down at night and I can go to sleep because I turned it over to you because you were the prince of peace and you give me peace through your presence in my heart. Hallelujah. That's our God. And when his wrath falls upon this world, you see those bombs falling over in Israel? They ain't a drop in the bucket to his power and what he can do. Men keep bragging. We can destroy this planet. You ain't going to have to. Men ain't going to do it. But God is. Because God don't just run his mouth about what he's going to do. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. And it's all right here for us to look at right here. It's right here for us to look at. So let's study. Let's believe it. Let's believe Him. That these things that are coming to pass that He says is going to happen are going to happen. And we need to be ready. And you know what? Somebody told me just today. You know what? You can't do anything about anybody else. You can't make anybody hear you. You can't make anybody believe you. You can't make anybody change. And you can't make anybody humble themselves before God. And that's true. So there's only one I can control. And it ain't me that. It's me. And that's the same for us all, Sister Shirley. We can control ourselves. I want to be humble before God. And I want to be in His mighty hand. And I never want him to leave me or forsake me. I want him. I want Jesus. I want him. And I think that should be our prayer, each and every one of us. For each other, my prayer for you is that you want him. And if he's got you, he's got everything else. Amen. People tell me all the time, say, you don't you don't ever preach about money, I don't have to. I want, I need to preach that God's got you. If he's got you, he's got this. That's right. If he's got you, he's got your car, he's got your house, he's got your land, he's got if he's got you, he's got it's all his. We're just blessed he's letting us use it. That's right. We're just we're just little overseers. Said a lot of times, he owns all those toys, he just lets us play with them. <laughs> That's it, he owns all those toys, don't he? Yep. God bless y'all. We just stand. Don't forget, next uh, Sunday, 
we're going to have Thanksgiving here. Amen. Now, I, we made a remark that church is furnishing the chicken and the and the chicken and dressing. If y'all want to bring chicken and dressing, or you want to bring turkey and dressing, or you want to bring your own favorite, bring it. Bring whatever you want to. Let's get together. Yep, yep. Rue says amen to all that. He's taking the go plate by oil. Anyway, bring whatever you want to. Come hungry, but come hungry for the word first. Amen. And we're going to be thankful next Sunday. We're going to be thankful, not for what we don't have, but for what we do have. Amen. Amen. Not for who's not here, but for who is here. Amen. Because he's going to be here. And that's good enough for me. Is it you? Well, let's come with that attitude. Amen. Let's come celebrating him. Amen. I love y'all. Thank you for letting me ramble. Thank you for being in the church. And you are. Amen. Perfect. And but the church, nonetheless. Amen. Amen. Brother Sam, would you dismiss it, please? <clears throat> Father, once again, we do come to you, thanking you for having loved us, dying on the cross, shedding your blood for us. Lord, we just thank you for this church and for what it stands for. We just ask that you would always help each of us to always keep in mind that we are what we are. Only by your grace, Lord. It wasn't for your grace to be out there in the world all in sin. My heart been turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, but you loved us. You saved us. The Lord, just help us as a church to always to seek your wills in our hearts and in our lives and to lean not into our own understanding but trust you in everything. Lord, you know the one that's uh, not here this evening. Think about Todd, with him coming down food for him, he believes. And Lord, so many other people that's on the prayer list, the ones that was made mention of today. So many hurting and sick and deaths in different families. And Lord, only you can strengthen and give, give the grace for these people to bear up. We just ask you to. We ask you to be with us as we head different directions. Give safe travel grace for everyone. And these holidays coming up for long, we just ask you to be with all our families and loved ones. Be with us now as we go separate ways. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget birthday in the morning, 9 a.m.